one 9646 is the number. Get a hold of Savannah and his team anytime. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. A lot of stuff to get through today. A bunch of emails, a bunch of your questions as well. And anytime you want to check it out, injurycalculator.ca. More details on that coming up. Basically find out exactly what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. How are you, brother? I'm great, John. Good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. James, everything good? Can't complain, John. You're ready to go. We are, we are fired up. Yep. We're 2018 boys and colder than a, you know what, out there. It's killer, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. Which brings about car accidents and all that stuff, slip and fall. So there'll be a ton of that talking about today. But you got some week that was action uh, going on. We what do. do we do. Absolutely, John. Let's start off with a question that was posted uh, early January to uh, one of our websites, mydisabilityquestions.com, a free website yep. where if you're in long-term disability or short-term disability and you have issues with your insurance company and you want to know quickly uh, what can be done about uh, you know the insurance company cutting you off or sending you to their doctors, etc. Just post your question. I'll answer it within minutes. It's free uh, and it's anonymous unless you want to put your name. So let's read this question. Uh, and you know this individual here is writing from Hamilton, and she writes, "Good day. My husband is on long-term disability with Great West Life, and he has been off for a year. They have requested further medical documents. However, uh, he did not send paperwork to his psychologist." They decided to send his file to their medical review board for review. They have caused him grief during this time. Sorry, during the time he's been off, uh, he is uh, on extended uh, uh, LTD until April first. They are bullying him. His family doctor and psychologist have been diligent in sending paperwork to the insurance company, uh, and it appears that they are pressing him to go back to work. Please provide some advice. So first of all, uh, this person, uh, you know, we, we say this a lot on this show, you know, you who are listening here and, and are getting this great information, it may not be something you are dealing with, but it may be right. something a family member or a friend or a colleague or someone you know who is in this situation. Yep. So pass along this information that we are giving out. Very important. So, you know, let's dissect this here. This individual is on LTD. He's got, uh, at the very least, a psychologist and a family doctor. Perhaps he's got more uh, people treating him, but clearly he's not ready to go back to work. And you have a situation here where the insurance company, for whatever reason, came to the conclusion that uh, he should be cut off Mm. as of April 1st. And the strange thing to me is that they are sending his medical file to, you know, presumably their doctors to review the medical file to advise them as to whether or not he should be on LTD or not. So it's kind of strange to me that they've told him we're going to cut you off as of April 1st, and at the same time, we're going to find out if we need to cut you off as of April 1st. Right. Okay, that, that, that's the first uh, alarming thing for me. The second thing that bothers me here is that they are saying to him, you have to try to go back to work. And that is against medical advice. His family doctor is saying you shouldn't do it. His psychologist is saying that he shouldn't do it. Again, the insurance company can't force you to go back to work if you feel that you can't go back to work and your doctors and the people who are treating you are saying you can't can't go back to work. The good news is that they haven't cut him off yet, okay? They are, he's got a few months under his belt. So the good thing is that he actually has until April before they cut him off, which means that we can actually act right now, intervene and potentially avert the cutoff, or at the very least, position his claim in such a way that if in fact the insurance company goes ahead with the cutoff, we can hit them hard and we can hit them fast. And what what do I mean by that? I mean, starting a legal claim against the insurance company and putting a legal uh, gun to their head really and saying to them, you're either going to compensate him, reinstate him, in other words, pay him what he's owed, the LTD that he's supposed to be getting, or you're going to have to deal with us through the legal process 
And guess what? That's going to cost you a lot of money because you have to pay your lawyers to deal with this. You have to get this to another department. And so this is the reason why when we intervene in these kinds of cases, and incidentally, when we get into these kinds of situations, we're the ones dealing with the insurance company, not the person. This is why uh, we are so effective at getting results, because once we start the legal process, the insurance company can't simply, you know, turn you off. They can't just simply say, we're not going to deal with you. They have to deal with us because we've started a process that now is beyond their control. Let me just jump in here for a minute. Um, One of the things that speaks to me about this is when I listen to this email, it occurs to me that the person writing this um, likely hasn't been through the legal process before. And that's true of most people that contact us. And one of the biggest concerns that they have is the extent to which the legal process is going to seep into the rest of their life. Um, And I can tell you flat out what I tell every single one of my clients, which is you have to live your own life. Your legal claim isn't going to dictate how you live your life. That's going to be dictated by what you want, what you need, and what your doctors are telling you. So if your doctors are saying that you should not be going back to work, then that's the end of the story. However that impacts your legal claim, we will deal with that. But you have to make the best decisions for you in regards to your health and the rest of your life. And we'll take care of the legal aspect of it. We'll remove that part of the stress for you. And that's something, Eva, you say almost every show, event is once those phone calls come to you, they stop going to the person, which is a beauty. They can that's focus abs- on getting better. That's yeah. exactly right. Exactly. It's me and James and the rest of the team who are dealing with all of the legal issues, with the other uh, lawyers, insurance companies, the people who are supposed to be focusing on getting better, on recovering, that's what they can now do. And that's, I can't tell you in how many instances people have hired us just for that, not even for the compensation element of it. Just to get them off your back. Absolutely, because if you're in a situation where, you know, you're depressed or you're in pain, do you really need to to deal with the insurance company with an adjuster who may be bullying you or maybe pressuring you to do things you don't want to do? No, let us deal with them. Let them deal with us. Okay, you focus on recovering. We will deal with making sure the insurance company pays you what they owe you. Lots more coming up. Stick around. We'll get to your emails, questions as well. It is one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Savan, pick it up. Where do we leave off? Uh, I have an interesting case that, uh, or a person that contacted me, and this is just before the holidays. Uh, he emailed me on December 24th, Christmas Eve, and he had actually contacted us earlier uh, last year after a terrible car accident, and I had spoken to him at length and uh, I gave him a lot of advice, and he said, thank you very much. He listened, he asked questions, and that's great. And what I found out on December 24th, um, and, and I spoke to him again on Christmas Day because it was such a long conversation, is that he ended up going with another law firm, and that's fine, right? I mean, we're not here to tell you that you have to hire us. By no means. What we do tell you is that you can call us, get the information for free, make the assessment you need to make in terms of how you want to proceed, who you want to go with, etc. If you end up hiring us, fantastic. We'll do the best job we can for you. So this person, without going into too many details, because he is represented right now, uh, so he hasn't been able to work since that time. Uh, he had a few fractures after that accident. 
he, he was a general laborer, so he hasn't been uh, back to work. And, uh, uh, you know, his family, the, the financial situation in, in his household has really deteriorated. Uh, they're behind on their mortgages. Uh, the kids are having difficulties uh, in, in school. They're, they're a little bit older, but they got part-time jobs to help with the family. Wow. And, and the reason I'm telling you this is because he's calling me as a result of the fact that he just found out that the law firm he hired hasn't even started a legal claim yet against the person that caused the accident. And yes, it's true. I keep saying it. James says it. You have two years in Ontario to start a legal claim if you're injured because of someone's negligence. It doesn't mean you should wait those two years. If it's so obvious that the accident was serious and that you suffered serious injuries, what is the benefit to the individual when the lawyer or the law firm wait until the two-year mark? I mean, I'm not even talking about the fact that in some instances, the law firms that do this, sometimes even you know through just a simple clerical error, miss the two-year limitation uh, uh, period. And, and, and then there's a question, of course, as to whether or not the person can even pursue that claim then, right? Because they may be statute barred. They may not be able to get compensation. Mm-hmm. But listen, if you are in a situation where you are injured and it's a serious injury and your lawyer, your law firm that's representing you is not starting the claim as soon as feasibly possible. And I'm talking about, you know, they have to do their due diligence, figure out who all the parties are. But get it happening. Get it happening. Yeah. Why, why is it just sitting on a shelf? This guy is just suffering at home. The, the, the family is almost in bankruptcy right now, oh. bankruptcy mode. I mean, it's just a tragedy. And of course, he's asking me, you know, can I switch over? And, and you know, and again, the, you know, we've talked about that as well before. Can you switch over to another lawyer? What are the considerations, pros and cons? And I do talk to people about that. I don't tell everyone to switch over. Certainly, I, I explain uh, the ramifications of that. But sometimes, you know what? It's better to just bite the bullet and move elsewhere to make sure that your case is being handled properly. But you know, the point of this is that you have to do your due diligence in terms of choosing who is going to represent you, who is going to represent the best interests of your family, because that mistake could be extremely, extremely costly. Now, James, I mean, there's a bit of a caveat to that, and that is when you're dealing with young people, sometimes they advise you or you guys will wait a bit just because of injuries, because of the age of the person. Is that true too? Well, that can be true, but my philosophy is as soon as I know that I have a basis to bring a claim, I'll start the claim. Right. Once you've started the claim, it's not difficult to slow the process down if that's to your advantage to do so at the time. It's not usually going to be the case, but there are circumstances where you might want to, and that's simple enough to do. But there's no benefit to just waiting to start the claim. The longer you wait to start the claim, the longer you wait to resolve, the longer it takes before the money that you are owed is in your pocket. It's as simple as that. Fightformyltd.com. Got a couple minutes left. Give me some details on it, Paul. Fantastic website. It's free. Uh, It allows people who are on LTD or have been denied LTD or cut off LTD to simply go onto that website and just type in a few key pieces of information. Just answer five simple questions. Press submit. I get that uh, questionnaire and I can tell you if you have a case or not. If the insurance company properly cut you off or denied your claim. And you know, in the vast majority of instances when people actually use that site and contact me, Mm -hmm. the answer is no, you should not have been denied. And yes, you do have options. And by the way, those options are a lot easier than you think that they are. You know, people seem to think that taking on an insurance company is just, just an unbelievable thing. I mean, how can you possibly... Uh, you know, fight a billion-dollar uh, corporation. Right. Here's here's the reality. Here's the secret, and I'm telling you this as someone who used to work for insurance companies. They don't want that fight. It's costly for them. 
They don't want to have to uh, uh, hire lawyers. They, they, it's, they're in the business of making money. Yep. The reason they deny claims is because they understand that a huge percentage of people that get denied just walk away from that yeah. money. Yeah, they just they walk away. And, and, and the ones that finally realize that they should not have walked away oftentimes are beyond the time limitation, that two-year period to actually start a claim. So that's how they make their money. They don't make their money by fighting claims. And listen, does that mean that they don't fight any claims? Of course they do. They're also in the business, once we start a claim, to pay you as little as possible, which is why you yourself, as a layperson, should not go up against them. And we'll get into that in terms of the context of, of some of the uh, emails we, ha- we have coming in. Uh, you know, you need people to represent you. This is very serious stuff. And the difference between you dealing with the insurance company directly when there is a problem and us could easily be a difference of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. The number is one 990 to get a hold of Savan and uh, James, members of the team, as well as help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Again, to reiterate, fightformyltd.com. you got a moment, check out the website, and we'll get back to some of your emails and questions here. In just a couple minutes, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 the number anytime to get a hold of Savan's team. It is also help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is email. So, Question, James, I'll throw this over to you. Can adjusters uh, threaten to cut someone off LTD payments for any reason, like, I don't know, say totally within their discretion to approve or deny LTD claims? Can they just blanketly do that? Until you bring a legal claim, it pretty much is entirely within their discretion. Now, that's certainly not what the policy is going to say. The policy is going to specify very clearly the reasons why they might be entitled to deny a claim. But that doesn't mean that the adjuster is going to abide by the policy unless you force them to. And how do you force them to do that? There's typically one way. You bring a legal claim. Unless you do that, if they deny your claim, unless you bring a legal claim, then they're going to be able to do whatever they want. Now, when they deny your claim, it's typically for one of two reasons, and they're pretty vague. One of them will be there's a lack of medical documents to support your claim. The other one is that you don't meet the definition of disabled. Um, there's not necessarily a distinction to be made between them, although typically the lack of medical documentation is um, something that you hear earlier on in the process, um, perhaps before a final decision is made, but sometimes as the basis for making a final decision, whereas not meeting the definition is invariably what you hear when a final decision has been made. But in either case, the reason underneath that, the rationale for it, can be very vague and can really be at the adjuster's discretion. And they can they can do that as long as you allow them to. And the only re- the only way you can get around it is by starting a legal claim. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And you know, I noticed in your question, you asked, can they threaten to threaten. cut someone off? And the reason why I focus on the word threaten is because I've seen claims where, uh, you know, the person came to me and said, you know, they threatened to cut me off because of X. And then when they cut me off, it was because of Y. Well, it almost seems like they were shopping for a reason to right. actually cut the person off. In fact, I've seen a, 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 I had, a, I had a, a, a client a few years back that came to me with a three-page uh, denial of an LTD claim, and it had eight different reasons. Nice. And, and the interesting thing, though, is that when we got the file from the insurance company, uh, those eight reasons were not you know, off the bat, from the beginning, outlined to this person. It was reason one at the beginning, and then there was reason two and three, and then there was reason uh, four. And, and the thing is, you know, you may think that maybe it's because the more they learned about the claim, 
the more they thought that it was an invalid claim. No, that's not the reason. They were shifting their opinions. They're trying to figure out, we're going to try anything that we can to make this person simply go away. And, you know, that actually worked in our favor, and we ended up getting a fairly large settlement for this individual who was really disabled. But, you know, that's an example of an insurance company trying, uh, you know, trying absolutely everything, uh, you know, to get the person off their benefits or, or, you know, to deny the claim altogether. It's not unusual. It's not uncommon. Don't be intimidated by that and just give us a call. Let us tell you if, in fact, it's a legitimate denial or if you can fight it. You can email as well. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Jessica Wright says, my husband was undergoing chemo for cancer last year and was denied LTD because apparently the adjuster didn't think that the treatments were preventing my husband from working. My husband's a truck driver. Uh, We didn't know that we could challenge this decision until we listened to you. Is it too late now? My husband is still not well enough to work. It's definitely not too late. Um, In in Canada, typically, in Ontario anyway, you have two years from the date of the first denial in order to bring a legal claim to challenge the decision. But you know, really, this is a kind of case that makes me really, really angry. It's not a situation where you're dealing with um, an adjuster that isn't sure about what the medical documents are saying or how it should be interpreted, where there's a lot of gray area. We're talking about someone who's going through chemo. And, you know, there isn't an adult out there that doesn't know someone who's been through that process, who doesn't understand the impact that that's likely to have on a person's life, particularly someone who makes their living driving a truck across country. This isn't hard to understand. There isn't a lot of ambiguity here. And it just illustrates the lengths that the insurance companies and their adjusters will go to to deny a claim. It's not something that there's a lot of gray area on here. This is something that is easily understood. I actually have a case uh, that um, we were handling a couple of years ago, also with a trucker, which is why this just reminded me of that. And in that case, and John, you may remember that, uh, again, it was a couple of years ago where my client actually was getting dialysis twice a week and just underwent open heart surgery. And he was a, a, a long distance trucker. And the insurance company actually said that they think he can do his job. Just just understand what that means. He was on dialysis twice a week after open heart surgery. It's the stuff you it's see out there. It's laughable, but you know, but it's so it's so strange that when you tell this to just somebody on the street, they'll tell you, no, this is, you're just taking this from a Hollywood movie. There's no way this is, this is true. But, you know, this is, this is what we're dealing with day in and day out. And not in every case the injuries or the illnesses are that severe, but perhaps they're severe for that individual, you know, to you or to your family member, your colleague. They can't work. Their doctors are saying they cannot work. And here comes the adjuster who says, I think you can work. Well, who the hell are you to say that? And even if they have a doctor behind them, the insurance company, that says, no, we think this person can work, who are they to say that when your treating providers, your psychiatrist, your orthopedic surgeon, or your neurologist, or your you know, uh, psychologist, whoever it is you're treating you, if they are treating you and they're saying, you cannot go back to work, who is this adjuster mm. and those doctors that they hire to say anything otherwise? And this is the basis oftentimes for us challenging these claims forcing the insurance companies to the table and them paying. one 9646 the number help at More of the insurance and injury law show coming right up on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 9646 the number to get a hold of Savan's team anytime. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email address as well. If you haven't checked it out, fightformyltd.com and mydisabilityquestions.com. 
uh, as well. Give this one to you, uh, Savan. So explain again. I know we do this, but it's good to reiterate uh, why many insurers cut disabled people off LTD after two years. That's a limitation. That's extremely common. And oh. in fact, I remember I had a case last year where the person contacted me and actually told me that their adjuster verbally told them that they cut everyone off at the two-year mark. Remember no we talked about there. That? I actually think we had uh, Terry, Terry uh, Corcoran, Corcoran here, yeah. and, and we, we went over this. I mean, that is bad faith. So he, here's what happens. Here's what people need to understand. LTD policies, uh, you know, contain a, a, a provision, a test, essentially, that says we will pay you long-term disability if you satisfy the criteria for total disability, meaning if you are totally disabled, we will pay you. But within the first two years of the LTD contract, the criteria is can you do your own job? It's called the own occupation test. Beyond the two-year mark, okay, that changes. It becomes a bit wider, a bit more difficult to meet. The test then becomes not whether you can do your own job, but can you do any job for which you are suited for by training, education, and experience. And, you know, we bring that example of the doctor that that I I like to mention. Let's say you have an orthopedic surgeon uh, who operates day in and day out, and that person has now hurt his hand. I don't know, his fingers were crushed, let's say. Uh, Well, that person, that doctor, that orthopedic surgeon cannot operate now, so he can't do his or her job, okay? For the first two years, that doctor would have satisfied the test for total disability. They can't do their job. But beyond the two-year mark, can they do any other job for which they're suited for? Well, they're suited for teaching, for example, right? So therefore, they would not qualify for LTD. That said, can the insurance company insist that this doctor goes and works at a coffee shop? No, they can't. That's That's not what the policy means. That's not what the case law tells us. So that's the distinguishing feature between the first two years of being on LTD and beyond the two-year mark. The problem is that a lot of people get cut off at the two-year mark when they should not be getting cut off. In other words, just like this person who called me, who told me that the adjuster said that they cut everyone off, mm-hmm. I think I think that this happens. This is this is a a, a, a widespread practice uh, that should not be happening, where a lot of insurance companies cut people off, even though they know that they should not be cutting people off at the two-year mark. They're playing the odds. They're playing the odds. They're assuming that the majority of people who are getting cut off will simply not stand up for their rights. And what we're telling you is, if you cannot go back to work, to any work for which you're suited, at that two-year mark, give us a call. Let us challenge the insurance company. We are going to be doing that, not you. Trust me, if we have the medical support that says that you cannot do any other work for which you're suited, we are going to get the insurance company to the table, and we're going to get them to pay you what you're owed. one 9646 is that number. Greg writes in three emails, says, I've been uh, going back and forth with my son's long-term disability insurance company about his claim. He heard his uh, back a year ago, and they haven't approved his LTD claim. We've appealed. We appealed. There's that word twice. And keep getting rejected. Shock. Uh, I don't understand why they're not listening to my son's doctors. Here's the way I look at it. Your LTD claim, or your your son's LTD claim in this case, um, think of it like a train on a track. And you apply, so you're going forward on this track, and they deny the claim. So you get to a a point where you can veer off to the left or go straight ahead. Veering off to the left sends you into this loop that's controlled by the insurance company. And that loop is called the appeal process. And it's completely controlled by the insurance company. And they can just keep sending you around and around. Deny your appeal, but you can apply again. Deny your appeal, but you can apply again. And you keep going around and around. 
And after two years, you've gotten nowhere. And as we know, after two years, you're no longer allowed to do anything about it. Your other option, as opposed to veering left to this insurance appeal track, is to go straight ahead. And that's bringing a legal claim. If you bring the legal claim, you go straight ahead. It's no longer controlled by the insurance company. Now it's in the legal process. And so they don't have the ability to just decide your fate on a whim. It's, it's not in their control anymore. So you have the ability, once they deny your claim, to choose which direction you're going to go. Do you want to go around in circles or do you want to go forward? And the answer is quite simple. You want to go forward. So the thing to do is stop appealing. Bring a legal, bring a legal claim and we can move forward with your son's claim. The two-year mark is, is really scary that you're not informed about it. That's probably sunk so many claims and ships for people that are out there. You know, I just don't know. No, no, you are going to get letters that say you have two years, but who reads that? Right. Everyone's going to focus on two things. I'm getting cut off and I can appeal. Those are the things that are standing front and center in your mind. And that's, and, and you know, James is, comp- is absolutely right. I mean, this, this appeal idea, I'm actually surprised that insurance companies are allowed to actually do this. I mean, I mean, I understand why legally, you know, they, they can do this. It's contractual and it's, it's built in into all these contracts, but I wish there was a study out there that gave us some statistics because I think that they would be shocking to see how many people appeal these LTD denials and how many actually get approved upon the first appeal or the second appeal or the third appeal. It's really important to understand that this appeal process is entirely an internal process. Absolutely. Completely controlled by the insurance company. There's no oversight. There's no regulation as to how it works. Mm-hmm. They make every decision, not just as as to whether the appeal will be accepted or not, but as to how the process works. That is something that nobody is looking over their shoulder on. And so you're volunteering yourself to go through this process again and again. that they're completely controlling. It's stacked in their favor. Why do that? that Why do that? Exactly There's no true. reason to do it. Definition exactly of insanity, true. right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly. And I, you know, we don't blame people for going through that. For sure. Because people, just generally speaking, are you know afraid of lawyers. Uh, they, they, they don't want to start any legal claims. A lot of people are not, you know, they've never had any experience in this. They watch TV. They watch American TV. So, you know, they think about all these court these cases. Fantastic insurance no, companies. None of the, this doesn't happen. No. Yes, can some cases end up in court? Yes, but it's such a small fraction. Remember, insurance companies are not in the business of fighting these claims. They're, it's very expensive for no. them to do that. They're not interested. You know, when I uh, worked for insurance companies, uh, just a small anecdote, uh, I, I remember um, and I was a very young lawyer at that point, and we were uh, in the big boardroom. There was a whole bunch of us in there, and the managing partner of our firm uh, gave us this directive. And this was, by the way, uh, one of the top insurance defense firms, or the biggest insurance uh, defense firms in the country, uh, who said to us, guys, you have to close these files quick. That's how we're going to get more files to defend from the insurance company. In other words, if you let these claims go on and on and on and on, if we milk the insurance companies for our legal fees, they're not going to send us any claims. Do you understand what that means? It actually means that we were told as defense lawyers to settle these claims as quickly as possible because insurance companies don't like to pay these legal fees. So that's that's what people fail to understand. That insurance companies are not out there to fight these claims, you know, t- to the death. That's not what they want to do. They want to resolve the claim with you. They will fight some claims, the ones that they think are completely bogus, and everyone knows we have those out there. Mm-hmm. And they should fight those. They and should I, fight those. 100%. And I fought those, and you fought those. Absolutely, we're not saying you shouldn't. 
But the reality is that when people contact us and, and James and I choose to represent someone, it's because we believe in the case and we think that we can force the insurance company to come to the table. And I'll tell you this, I don't know about you, James, but it's very rare for me not to be able to force an insurance company to come and pay my client. Listen, things happen. Not everything goes, you know, the way we, we, we think it will at the beginning. Sometimes people don't tell us the whole story or, you know, facts come out that, you know, I simply change everything. But if someone comes to us and says, listen, here's my situation, here's how I've been denied by the insurance company, we see all the medical documents, we can assess fairly quickly, which is why we tell you, by the way, when you call us, there's going to be no cost to this. Right. You're talking to us, you're not paying a dime. Get the advice. What do you have to lose? one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More coming up. Take a short break. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646, the number anytime. Keep it with you. Get a hold of uh, James, Savannah, the rest of the team here at the firm, or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email as well. So, slip and fall, someone's on ice, they get injured. Um, there were no witnesses. Happens all the time, right? Do they still have a case? They do. They do. I mean, listen, a lot depends on uh, the information they give us. A lot depends on the information we end up getting from whoever it is that uh, we're starting the legal claim against. So, for example, if there is a winter maintenance contractor, we're going to want to see that uh, a contractor's records as, as to whether or not they maintain the area, when they maintained it, did they put salt, sand, all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you this. If you're, if you're involved in a slip and fall or if someone is... You know, the easiest thing, the best thing you can do is just take photographs as soon as possible. If you are severely injured, which of course happens uh, with slip and falls, you know, get someone at some point during the day, your mother, your father, your son, your brother, whoever, your friend, go there, tell them where it is, get some photographs. The more photographs showing the the, the ice and, and you know, the, the, the bad yeah. conditions and the lack of maintenance, the stronger your case will be. Not everything hinges on, on witness testimony. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, if I had to choose between having a witness and having photographs or a video, I would go with photographs and a video. I mean, just think about it. It's just common sense. So, no, it does not mean that you don't have a case, but you don't want it to, to come down to your credibility versus someone else, which is why photos and videos are so crucial, especially, you know, in, in this day and age when everyone has I was going to say, it's so phone. easy to play to 30 years ago if nobody's walking around the Polaroid, right? Sure, but even now, e- even now, if you don't have a photograph, it doesn't mean that you don't have a claim. Yeah. Um, it's more difficult for sure, but we can get access to the weather records quite easily. And if you take a look at the, you know, the snowfall and then if there was a thaw and a freeze afterwards, right. it's not difficult to prove that there would have been ice there. And if you have your own evidence that you saw it, um, that can be sufficient. It's not as good as if you have a witness or a photograph, but it doesn't mean that we can't help you. The one thing I guess you should be aware of, though, if it's on city property, you got 10 days to report to the city clerk, right? As opposed to just letting it linger. You do. You have right. to report the accident. Uh, be as specific as you can as to the location right. and advise that you're probably going to bring a legal claim. Uh, and it has to be in writing. Remember that. Okay. And it's got to be to the city clerk. And you can Google that if it's drawn. Or you just give us a call and we can help you with that, to be honest with you. We've done that quite a few times. Uh, people call us. They want to know what their rights are. Or, or family and friends of people who've been injured like yeah. that, you know, who are still in the hospital because they fracture this or that. And they say, you know, what do we have to do? We understand there is a strict time limitation, that 10-day period. It's not to start a legal claim. It's to notify the city that you're going to do that, that there's been an accident, because they need to have that 10 days 
to go and, and, and take a look at the area, okay? And that's under the legislation. This is not something we're just, you know... Uh, Throwing out there. Exactly. Yeah. So, so very, very important. If you have any questions on that, if, you know, during this winter season, the next one, if you know anyone who's in that situation and they have a question about that notice provision or where to, where to send the notice... Uh, then just give us a call or email us, and we'll let you know fairly quickly within minutes. That number, by the way, one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Got an email here. I'll send this one to you, James. From Dan says my uh, my mother was walking outside her friend's condo building in Aurelia last week, and fell because of black ice. She broke her back, according to the MRI. And the doctors say that she will likely not be able to walk again. This is unreal. Uh, we're extremely angry and upset. There are a lot of older uh, folks in the building. And they've done a really poor job taking care of the icy walkways. What can we do? Who will pay for this? To answer the question, the first thing that you need to do is what we were just talking about. So it doesn't. it's not clear from this letter who owns the property where she fell. It might be private property. Right. But unless you're completely sure that is private property, you want to send a notice letter to the municipality um, that it, where it happened. Uh, just to cover all of your bases, because you don't want to find out a year down the road that the property actually is owned by the municipality, but you haven't given them that 10-day notice. So send the notice letter if you're even a little bit unsure. Um, The next step is to start the legal process, um, and that begins with starting a claim. Uh, Bringing the claim can provide compensation for pain and suffering uh, for the medical and rehab costs. And if there is an income loss claim, then it, it can provide for that as well. Uh, the defendants in this case, uh, you know, it's not going to be clear right off the bat who they will all be. Again, we don't know who owns the property right when it happens, uh, but whoever the property owner is would be one. Uh, if the property was leased to someone, they could be a defendant as well. And if there was a winter maintenance company that was hired in order to make sure that the area was shoveled or salted, they would certainly be on the hook as well too. And you would find that information out as you go along, sometimes not even right away. Sometimes you don't find that out until the the defendants that you are aware of provide you that information. And you got to figure, Savannah, I mean, there's going to be home renovations need to be done. Broken back, not walk again. There's going to be family involved taking care of her for the rest of life. A whole whole umbrella of things, right? Yeah, I mean, the the the, the um, wide range of damages here yeah. could be fairly significant. And, and, you know, you mentioned family members, and that's a huge, huge thing. Because what many people don't realize is that under the Family Law Act, you can Google that, uh, Section 61 specifically says in Ontario that if a family member has been injured and you are now doing certain things, let's say you're taking care of them or you're driving them places, whatever it is, or, or, or you know, you're losing income now because sure. you have to reduce your hours at your work, that's compensable. And we bring that as an additional claim in addition to the person who actually has been injured. And, and, you know, the other thing to mention, which uh, James touched upon, is in terms of making sure that all the necessary defendants, the parties, are at the table. That's important because presumably all of them are going to have insurance. You're going to have multiple insurance companies that we are dealing with to make sure that these people, that these insurance companies all contribute to the compensation that you deserve. One of the things that we talk about on every show is the injury calculator, which is, uh, you can find it at injurycalculator.ca. And this is simply a tool that can help you figure out what the range of your pain and suffering damages might be in the given circumstances. So all it is is a database of all the cases that have looked at pain and suffering awards across Canada based on different variables. So 
your age, what injuries you've suffered, who was at fault, and so forth. And you type in the information, and you'll get a range of possible damages um, within a matter of seconds. So this email from Dan actually provides us with a pretty good opportunity to see how it works. Uh, we have most of the information that we need in order to get the get the results. So you would put in the date. I've put in December 28th, 2017, because he said it was about a week ago. It asks you for the location, so Aurelia. Uh, how old? I'm guessing I, I put 60 here. might be a little bit more, a little less, and that could have a small impact on what the result is. The cause is a slip and fall. Who is at fault? It's a drop-down menu. It's either yourself or someone else. In this case, it would be someone else. Now, the main injury here, it sounds, and you know, we don't have a clear diagnosis other than broken back, um, but it sounds as though that's going to be paralysis, um, and the type of injury is paraplegia. So when you put those variables into the injury calculator, what it will tell you is that the range of pain and suffering awards that your mother might be entitled to is between two hundred and thirty and three hundred and ten thousand dollars which is a very significant award as you would expect given the type of injuries that your mother right. that your mother is suffering from by no means is that a guarantee there are certainly other variables that could impact the end result but that gives you a good idea of what the courts have done in the past when looking at similar types of cases one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. You got help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Still got a few minutes left. Take a short break. Right back at it. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. I'll uh, throw this question towards uh, towards you, Savannah, as we get down to the last few minutes this week. What happens if someone's on LTD and then they try to go back to work? They weren't able to. Can they go back to work on, or can they go back in LTD or they have to shut themselves out or how does it all go They down? can. They absolutely yeah. can. And, 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 you know, this is usually called a recurrence clause right. in the LTD contract that basically says that if you try to go back to work and that return back to work attempt was not successful, and of course it's documented by the employer, by the doctors, uh, then, you know, generally speaking within a certain time frame, usually it's six months. Uh, you can just go back on LTD without going through the full application process. Right. If you're beyond the six months, it doesn't mean you can't go back on LTD, but the insurer may require you to reapply for LTD. So you'll go through the uh, um, you know usual application process of submitting all the documents, et cetera. Yeah. But it's not unusual for this to happen. And you know, I'll tell you this, we do see people who are in that position where they've tried to go back to work once or twice, they failed, then they've been denied by the insurance company, and then they think that they're out of luck. They shut themselves out. And, and no, that's not the case. You just make sure you call us or email us. Let us help you deal with the insurance company. And I'm telling you right now, if you've tried legitimately to go back to work, you weren't successful, and that's backed up by your doctors, and they're saying that you're not able to go back, we will be able to get the insurance company to the table. And, and guess what? It's not going to be a very prolonged process. We'll resolve the claim for you. We will deal with the insurance company. You just focus on getting better. James, we'll wrap up this week with a uh, final email here. It comes from Samantha. says, my brother-in-law was in a car accident on Christmas Eve when a pickup truck ran a red light. Uh, the firefighters had to extract him from the car, and he was taken to hospital. He fractured his skull and is in critical condition. I'm trying to help my sister and her family as much as possible right now and wanted to know what they should be doing from a legal standpoint. The first thing that they should be doing uh, is contacting us and getting us involved uh, right away. 
there there are two processes that we talk about. One is bringing a legal claim, and that's really a longer term uh, process. But the more immediate thing is to start an accident benefits claim with uh, with the insurance company, your brother-in-law's insurance company. And they're going to provide benefits right away, including income replacement benefits up to $400 a week, uh, medical and rehab benefits, which will be necessary uh, once the acute phase of recovery is over. And one of the other things that they're going to pay for is someone called a case manager. And this is really critical. So a case manager is a medical professional who who will be a liaison between between the doctors and the insurance company. So they're there to make sure that what the doctors are saying is necessary is in fact implemented and paid for by the insurance company. And they work with us. So you can choose your own case manager. And we have a few that we work with that are excellent, um, that really uh, go the extra mile and make a huge difference in making sure that our clients are able to recover as quickly as possible with all the help that they need. So it's really imperative that you give us a call right away and that we start the process so that you can get the help that you need, that your doctors are saying that you need. We'll do it for another week, guys. The number, as uh, we've given out several times during the show, keep it with you, one 990 9646 Email us, help at And if you haven't checked it out, you'll want to find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. James talked about it earlier, and that would be injurycalculator.ca as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.